In our last episode, we told the story of a young man living in sin who gave his life to Jesus Christ and was changed completely. He became a pastor in England, and today we finish the story of the life of George Mueller. Welcome back to Church History and part two of our series on George Mueller. If you didn't hear part one, I would suggest listening to it before continuing with this episode. George Mueller lived through most of the 1800s. As I tell his story, I'm going to mention other things that were happening in the world during his life. This is to give you a context and paint a picture for you of the world George was living in. The main lesson of George Mueller was that he believed God does answer prayers. We need to ask ourselves, when we pray, do we pray believing that God answers prayers? George Mueller prayed believing that God was listening and wanting to bless him. But George didn't only pray when he needed or wanted something. George prayed to communicate with God. He would awake in the very early parts of the morning and pray for hours every day. It was during these prayer sessions that God called George to be his hands and feet and help serve the poor. In the 1830s up to the 1860s, England had poor sanitation and hygiene, and these caused breakouts of cholera and typhoid. The poor were affected the most. The waste rotted in the streets and polluted the air. The heat of the summer would make the air unbreathable at times. The area where the poor lived smelled of human waste and garbage. Tuberculosis also killed many people. At the time, they called it consumption. This was the leading cause of death. Although poor were hit the hardest, the wealthy were also hit. In fact, Prince Albert, the husband of Queen Victoria, died from typhoid. There was also scarlet fever, smallpox, gout, and whooping cough. When parents died, there was no social safety net for children. They were sent into the streets to live. They would either be sold into child labor, become thieves, or die of starvation or cold. George and Henry were pastoring churches at this time, raising their families and working at the institute they had started to raise the knowledge of theology in Great Britain. George was saddened by the sight of seeing children living on the streets and being abused by people. George and his wife Mary began to take these children into their home. They opened up their home to 30 girls who they found living on the streets. Imagine having 30 young girls move into your house. But 30 children barely touched the problem. The Mueller's rented three more houses on the street so that they could serve more children One home was for babies, one home for boys, and it didn't take long until the couple was caring for 130 children. To get an idea of what the world was like for these children, we can see a picture in a famous series that was published in this year. In 1837, Charles Dickens published his second book in the series. The series of three books is published today as one book. The book is called Oliver Twist, and it's a story of an orphan living on the streets. We can see in this book what it was like for the houses that did care for the orphans and what it was like to have life on the streets. 
That is the world George Mueller lived in, and it was the world he was trying to change. They had other people who saw their vision and moved into the homes to help them raise the children. They made sure the children had a good education, proper food, and good hygiene. Eight years later, they realized they could not continue. Imagine you lived in a quiet neighborhood, and a young couple moves onto your street. He's a pastor. That seems pretty good. Then suddenly, the pastor has 30 extra children. Then he rents three extra homes, and you have an extra 130 children living on your street. The neighbor started to complain, and that is understandable. The noise was intense, but there was also the problem of human waste, and this was actually a serious concern. Mueller listened to the complaints, and he agreed with the other families living on the street. This was not going to be able to continue. But sending his 130 children into the streets, that wasn't a solution either. George did what he always did when he had a problem. He prayed. God led him to a property at Ashley Down in Bristol. He began to pray for money to build a large home. He refused to purchase even one single item unless he had the money. God sent in the money by people feeling called by God to send Mueller money. Soon he had built a home that would house 300 children. The house had its own laundry area, its own school, and dining facility. As soon as a home opened, it was full. And there was a waiting list with more children who wanted to come. The year was 1849. One morning, George went to the kitchen to find there was no food. Not one single piece of food to feed the children who would be coming to the table for breakfast in just a few minutes. George waited until all the children were sitting at the table. Then he thanked God for providing the food for them. As he was praying, there was a knock at the door. A baker was standing at the door with a cart full of bread. The baker announced he had been told by God to wake up early and make bread for the children. George brought the bread into the home, and as it was being passed out to the children, there was another knock at the door. A milkman stood at the door. His cart had broken down right in front of the house. He told George all the milk would end up going bad if he kept it in his cart until his cart was fixed. He asked George if he wanted to just have the milk. All 300 children had bread and milk for breakfast. George used this opportunity to not only teach the children that God answers prayer, but also to teach his church congregation. Remember, this entire time he was caring for orphans, he was still pastoring his church and working at his institute for theology. George wrote this in his journal. The first and primary object of the work was, and still is, that God might be magnified by the fact that the orphans under my care are provided with all they need only by prayer and faith without anyone being asked by me or by fellow laborers, whereby it may be seen that God is faithful still and hears prayers still. As a side note, this was the same year as the California Gold Rush. Do you love learning about church history and love this podcast? This podcast is being turned into a book series, and the first book is now available for sale. You can find the link in the show notes. And now, back to our episode. Five years later, in 1854, George Mueller started building the second house on the land. It was finished in 1857. It was during the time of the building of the second house that Florence Nightingale was given permission to reform the hospitals of Britain, and things began to change in the country. A year later, Mueller's two homes were over full, 
and they started building a third house. While the house was being built, Charles Darwin published his book, The Origin of Species by Means of Natural Selection or the Preservation of Favored Races in the Struggle for Life. This was a very racist book that pushed for eugenics and would be used by people as scientific reason to kill poor people, disabled people, black people, and Aboriginal people. We did an episode in the life of Charles Darwin that you can go back and listen to. During this time, Abraham Lincoln was elected as President of the United States, and George Mueller was building more homes for orphans. By 1862, the third house was finished. He was now raising 1,150 children. The same year house number four was built and had an extra 450 children come into his care. It was during this year that Hudson Taylor lost all his funding when his people were attacked by rebels. And bad press made it sound as though he had angered the Chinese people and the churches stopped sending Hudson Taylor money. George Mueller felt God calling him to send money to Hudson. While he was raising money for the homes that were being built, he sent some of that money to Hudson. The money saved the ministry of Hudson Taylor. On Saturday, January the 14th, 1865, a storm came through Bristol. The wind and rain ripped through the houses. Roofs were torn off and windows shattered. It looked as though the houses may be torn down and destroyed altogether. The children were huddled together in fear. George stood and prayed that God would calm the storm and the rain and wind stopped. The staff fixed the windows and the roof over the next few days. On Wednesday, the homes were repaired, and suddenly the rain and wind came back. The storm finished with no more damage to the homes. Had the storm continued without that three-day break for the staff to fix the damage, the houses would have been destroyed, and the children could have been killed. In 1870, while America was in a civil war, George Mueller built a fifth house and there were now 2,050 children being cared for. The children were given a great education, and at the age of 14, boys were set up with apprentices so they could have successful careers, and girls at the age of 14 were given jobs in the home to care for younger children until they were 17 years old. They were then set up with jobs to make sure that they could be successful. The cost to build the homes was 100,000 pounds. On top of that, there was the cost of food, clothing, and staff. And George never asked a single person for money. He trusted God and God provided everything he needed. In his diary on February the 12th, 1842, he wrote this. A brother in the Lord came to me this morning and after a few minutes of conversation, gave me 2,000 pounds for furnishing the new orphan house. Now I'm able to meet all the expenses and all probability I will even have several hundred pounds more than I need. The Lord not only gives as much as is absolutely necessary for his work, but he gives abundantly. This blessing filled me with inexplicable delight. He had given me the full answer to my thousands of prayers during the past 1,195 days. In 1870, tragedy hit the Mueller home. Mary became ill and died. February the 6th, 1870, George Mueller was alone. George needed to walk away from his ministry for a time. He prayed about what to do, and God laid on his heart to put a man named James Wright in charge of his ministry. James had been working with Mueller and took care of the orphanages. For one year, George Mueller gave himself time to grieve and spend time healing with God, and God did bring healing. 
A year later, in 1872, there was two marriages. He had left a man named James Wright in charge of his orphanages, and James had been working alongside George's daughter, Lydia. The two had fallen in love and were married. Lydia carried on with her father's mission, and James and Lydia would take the five houses and continue to serve the orphans of England. George also met a woman named Susanna. They were also married that year. When they had been married for five years in 1876, Mary Slusser left for Africa. We told her story in a past episode. Mark Twain published Tom Sawyer, and Alexander Graham Bell patented the telephone. The world was changing. Now, in his 70s, God called George and Susanna into one more ministry. They would travel the world, preaching, teaching, and helping Christians see the importance of caring for the vulnerable. George and Susanna traveled for 17 years. They went to Australia, America, Canada, India, China, Japan, Egypt, Greece, and many more places. In fact, they traveled to 42 countries. This meant that the couple in their 70s and 80s spent a lot of time on ships. And while on the ship, they would tell the passengers about Jesus' love. This is a diary of one of the passengers that traveled with them. When I first came to America, 31 years ago, I crossed the Atlantic with the captain of a steamer, who was one of the most devoted men I'd ever met. And when we were off the banks of Newfoundland, he said to me, Mr. Ingalls, the last time I crossed here, five weeks ago, one of the most extraordinary things happened that has completely revolutionized the whole of my Christian life. Up to that time, I was one of your ordinary Christians. We had a man of God on board, George Mueller of Bristol. I had been on the bridge for 22 hours and never left. I was startled by someone tapping me on the shoulder. It was George Mueller. Captain, he said, I've come to tell you that I must be in Quebec on Saturday afternoon. This was Wednesday. It's impossible, I said. Very well, if your ship can't take me, God will find other means to get me. I've never broken an engagement in 57 years. I would willingly help you. How can I? I'm helpless. Let us go down to the chart room and pray. I looked at that man of God and I thought to myself, what lunatic asylum could this man have come from? I've never heard of such a thing. Mr. Mueller, I said, do you know how dense the fog is? No, he replied. My eye is not on the density of the fog, but on the living God who controls every circumstance of my life. He got down on his knees and prayed one of the most simple prayers. I muttered to myself, that would not suit a children's class where the children are not more than eight or nine years old. The burden of his prayer was something like this. O oh Lord, if it is consistent with thy will, please remove this fog in five minutes. Thou knowest the engagement thou didst make for me in Quebec on Saturday. I believe it is thy will. When he finished, I was going to pray, but he put his hand on my shoulders and told me not to pray. First, you do not believe he will. And second, I believe he has and there is no need whatsoever for you to pray about it. I looked at him, and George Mueller said this, Captain, I have known my Lord for 57 years, and there has never been a single day that I failed to gain an audience with the king. Get up, Captain, open the door, and you will find the fog is gone. I got up, and the fog was gone. You tell that to some people of a scientific turn-off mind, and they will say, that is not according to natural law. No, it's according to spiritual laws. The God with whom we have to do is omnipotent. Hold on to God's omnipotence. Ask believingly. On Saturday afternoon, I may add, George Mueller was there on time. 
This was written by a man named Charles Ingalls. The couple traveled more than 200,000 miles, and because George spoke so many different languages, he could preach everywhere. In 1890, he received word that his daughter Lydia, who had been running the orphanages, had passed away. He was so heartbroken by this. Lydia's husband continued to run the orphanages. Four years later, on the 13th of January, George Mueller's second wife, Susanna, died. Although he was 85 years old, Mueller returned to the orphanages to help his son-in-law. He lived his remaining life serving the orphans. George Mueller was born in 1805, and at the age of 93, on March the 10th, 1898, George Mueller passed away in the orphan house number three. The funeral for George Mueller was so well attended that the entire city of Bristol was shut down. The funeral possession was so long that no street was able to be used. The newspaper wrote, He was raised up for the purpose of showing that the age of miracles is not past. People around the world celebrated the life of this man. After he died, the George Mueller Foundation continued. On March the 1st, 2009, the name was changed to George Mueller Charitable Trust, and it's still active today. And they still never ask for money. They only pray and wait for God to lead others to donate to them. The charity still works with the churches in Bristol, where George had led his church for so many years. And the charity still works with children who need extra help. In 1986, they opened a home called the Tilsley Home. It was a shelter for elderly people who were in need of housing. It was closed in 2012. Today, you can visit a museum. In the museum, you can find the records and names of every single child who has lived in the homes. What a great man of God. Mueller, when he prayed, had five conditions for prayer. First of all, you had to be totally dependent on Jesus Christ. Secondly, you had to forsake all of the sin in your life that you knew about. Third, you had to exercise faith. Four, you had to ask according to God's will and never have selfish motives. And finally, God will answer prayer according to his will, but it will also be according to his time. Next, you're going to talk about a life of a man named John Nelson Darby. In the meantime, if you want to hear other podcasts or see some of my videos or read some of my blogs or purchase my books or mugs, check out lauraleesiemens.com. I'll see you next week.